Well, it's a great joy to be here at the church this morning, and uh, we've enjoyed uh, many visits from your pastor to the Dominican. He's been a great blessing to our ministry there. We uh, basically are <clears throat> starting churches with national pastors that are graduating from our, our seminary. We have a seminary there, and and so for the last, uh, we just started 26 years there, and so uh, we've been planting churches as uh, the men were trained, and God is really blessed. And two of the churches that are there in the Dominican, we started. One of them is called Resurrection Baptist Church, and then New Life Baptist Church, and that's the church we have now, and all the ministry there is at the new property. So we're excited about that new property. Uh, three times the space we had before, it was rather uh, uh, difficult to do all the ministry from the previous place, but God has really blessed. And we uh, appreciate your prayers uh, and what God is doing in Dominican and uh, that you'd pray for us, that God would just continue to bless us and, and guide us as we train these men and prepare them for the work. We have uh, 18 new graduates in December, so um, I'm hoping that your pastor will be able to come down and participate with us in that. Uh, if you would, open your Bibles to Philippians chapter 4. I want to share uh, some thoughts with you this morning about relationships within uh, God's plan for missions. The relationships. And we find that in Philippians chapter 4. And I'm going to read those verses this morning as we begin. Uh, we're going to start in verse 10. It says, But I rejoice in the Lord greatly now that now at last your care of me have flourished again, wherein you were also careful, but lacked opportunity. Not that I speak in respect of want, for I have learned in whatsoever state I am therewith to be content. I know both how to be abased, and I know how to abound. Uh, everywhere in all things I am instructed both to be full and to be hungry, both to be to abound and to suffer and to suffer need. I can do all things through Christ which strengtheneth me, notwithstanding ye have well done that ye did communicate with my afflictions. Now in verse fifteen, now ye Philippians know that in the beginning of the gospel, when I departed from Macedonia, no church communicated with me concerning giving and receiving, but ye only. Even For even in Thessalonica you sent once and again unto my necessity, not because I desire a gift, but I desire fruit that, my, that, that may abound to your account. There's relationships within God's plan for missions. And um, I was studying this text one day. I preached many sermons out of this text, but one day God just laid upon my uh, eyes there as I was reading through it that this is the relationships. And uh, the first relationships I want to look at with you this morning is the relationship between the church and the missionary. And we find that in different verses throughout this text. Um, the first thing I want us to see is the way that they cared for Paul, the way that the church cared for Paul as he was there ministering and uh, taking care of the ministry of uh, starting churches. And um, the one thing that we see there is communication. Communication was very important. It was very important that the church uh, or, or the churches that were helping Paul were communicating with him and helping him. In verse 10, we see that uh, he said, your care for me has flourished again. Uh, in verse 14, it says, you have done well and you help 
helped me in my affliction. Uh, in verse 15, it says, in giving and receiving. Verse 16, it says, and their giving was again and again. And then in verse 18, we see that Paul said uh, that he uh, had received all and that he was full and that he had everything he needed. So the first relationship that we see in this text is about the church with the missionary. And the main thought there is communication. The church was constantly communicating with Paul and whatever he was trying to accomplish. And then Paul was obviously communicating back to them because this letter here is a communication back to them, letting them know that he did receive from them. Um, missionaries need communication. And we get that communication in various forms. Um, there are certain types of communications that no missionary wants to receive. And then there are certain types of communication a missionary definitely wants to receive. I remember years ago, Brother Jeremy, I was uh, traveling and I was preaching in different places. And I had been invited uh, to a church up in West Virginia. Do, is anybody here from West Virginia? Okay, amen. Nothing against West Virginia. This happened in West Virginia, but nothing against West Virginia. So uh, I was traveling up there. I had been driving. I was a little bit tired. I, drew, I had driven up from Georgia. And uh, I had been driving about seven hours. I got up there. I raced into the church. I set up all my stuff back then. I was sharing with some of the guys, you know, to set up your display and everything, get everything ready back then. You had to make like three or four trips to your vehicle. I mean, it was just, it was a ton of stuff. And so I got it all set up and I was tired and, and I rushed into the bathroom and went into the bathroom. And, um, as I was, uh, in the bathroom, some gentlemen came in. Of course, they didn't know that I was in the bathroom. And, uh, so they came in and they're talking and I, I, I heard one of the men say, he said, can you believe our preacher? And he said, well, what are we talking about? He's done, he's done gone and invited another missionary to our church. Another boring, boring missionary. If I'd known, I wouldn't have come to church. Can't believe it. Well, I decided it was time for me to leave the bathroom, so I came out, went out the door. Said hello to the gentleman on the way out the door. Went up to the front, sat down. And uh, waiting, waiting. And then the pastor called me up to preach. And when I came up to preach, there was that man sitting on the second row. And he just went like this. <laughs> That's the kind of communication we don't need. You know, it's hard to get your uh, ready to preach when you're getting that kind of communication. And so uh, missionaries, uh, born or not born, whatever they are, they, they're just missionaries. And uh, we need good communication. I remember one time uh, I was sitting at my desk in the Dominican Republic and I was going through a great difficult time and my phone rang and I picked it up. And it was a friend, a pastor friend, hadn't talked to him in over a year. And he said, Brother Altry, um, God just laid down my heart to call you right now. He said, I don't know how you're doing, I don't know what's going on. But I want you to know, I pray for you every day, and I'm thinking about you. 
Now, that's, that's some great communication right there. Missionaries need that personal communication. You know, you never know what they're facing. You never know what they might be going through. But just that moment that he took out of his schedule to pick up his phone and call me in a time when I really needed a phone call and he had no idea, you have no idea what that meant to me to know that somebody in the United States was thinking about me and praying for me. And strength beyond your imagination, God used uh, that man to give me strength in a time when I needed somebody. Faith to faith. You know, the Bible says faith to faith. Someone else sees your faith when theirs is a little weak and you pass some of your faith and, and your understanding of the things of God onto someone to help them in a time of need. And so that's the kind of communication. Um, Paul said they had given to him again and again and they had helped him. I remember uh, we had been on we'd been on the mission field for about ten years, and um, I got a phone call from the the mail thing that brings the mail over to the Dominican Republic, and they said we got a box for you. I said a box? I didn't. I don't have any boxes because boxes were really expensive. They charge you like two dollars and twenty five cent a pound to bring a box. They said, yeah, we got a box here for three hundred pounds. I said, you got a box for me for 300 pounds? I said, I don't have no box for three, no 300 pounds. I said, no way. They said, well, you got to come get it. It's already here. You have to bring the money. you got to come get it. Do you know how much a 300-pound box costs? $700. I got over there. You know, it's already delivered. I'm thinking, oh, my word. There better be something big and really needful in here, buddy, because, you know, I got $700 in my pocket. i got to pay for this box. So I get there, and here's this big, huge box, one of those great, big, thick boxes. You know, that you put something really heavy in. So I got Jonathan on one end, my son that um, Jerry mentioned, and I'm on the other, and we're picking that box up, and we're getting it over to the vehicle and getting it in the vehicle. Just dying to get home to see what's in this box. Got home, we got the box out, and I opened up the box. The box we didn't know was coming had 300 pounds in it. And I just stood there and looked at the box, and I couldn't believe it. Brother Jeremy? That box was full of canned goods. That box, right on the very top, had uh, three 10-pound bags of sugar. Sugar. You know what the national crop of the Dominican Republic is? Sugar cane. And there was that sugar. So I get the sugar out. I said, oh, my goodness. I got that sugar out. I could buy all that, that 30 pounds of sugar for like $2. And I said, look at that sugar. I was thinking, wow, that sugar costs a lot of money. That's some precious sugar, brother. And uh, we started taking out all these cans and canned goods. And, all this, and I'm like, oh, Lord, help me. And got to the middle of the box. And there was three 20-pound bags of rice. You know what the second crop in the Dominican Republic is? <laughs> rice. I said, oh, my goodness. I was getting that bags of rice out of there. We could have bought all that rice for $10. And just went on and on. And I called him. I said, brother, we, we're so thankful for that box. But I said, um, it's very expensive to pick things up here in Dominican. I said, next time, just won't you call me and let me know if you want to send us a care package. And I'll let you know exactly what we need. And uh, we appreciate the box. I never mentioned how much I paid for that box. But I want to tell you something. 
Uh, we had some expensive uh, rice and sugar, brother. I mean, those meals that was made with that rice and sugar, those were special meals. Those meals had special uh, meaning to us. And so uh, that's some communication that we were, we were glad we, get, we were getting the communication. It's just that the communication costs a lot of money, you know. And so talk to your missionaries. Find out what they need. Find out what's going on because missionaries want your communication. They want you to talk to them. They want you to let them know what's going on. They want you to uh, tell them that you'll pray for them. And uh, they want you to send them a little note once in a while and let them know. So Paul, Paul was letting them know how much that uh, he appreciated their communication. And so that was the uh, attitude of the church toward the missionary. And then... Um, the missionary's attitude. We find the missionary's attitude in verses 11 and 12. Uh, look at verse 11. It says, Not that I speak in respect of want, for I have learned in whatsoever state I am therewith to be content. I know in verse 12, I know how to be abased. I know, and I know uh, how to abound. Uh, everywhere in all things, I am instructed both to be, to be uh, hungry uh, to be full and to be hungry, both to be abound and to suffer need. Paul said, hey, the word of God has taught me as a missionary that uh, it's always not going to be plentiful. There are going to be some difficult times. Uh, there's going to be some times of suffering. There's going to be some times when there are things that I normally have and need, I'm not going to have them and I'm not going to need. I mean, take, for example, water. Uh, how many of you think water is an important commodity to have? Most of y'all think water be important. I mean, if you take a bath, you're going to think water is important, right? And uh, how many of you think uh, electricity is important? Yeah, important. Well, in the Dominican Republic, uh, 26 years ago when we arrived, there were issues. Issues. And it's very hot in the Dominican Republic. On an average day... I could take three or four baths because in the Dominican Republic, when you take a shower and you get out of the shower and you get all dry, you, 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 you're wet. So you're thinking, man, I thought I dried myself off. So you start drying yourself off again, but then you realize you're just wet because it's so humid. You, uh, you're sweating again. So that's the way it is in the Dominican Republic. And so, um, but we had gotten there and we got all of our stuff and we had gotten the apartment we were going to live in. We were so excited about this. Apartment, getting set up, getting ready to go. You know, we've, we've been working to get to the Dominican Republic. Now we're in the Dominican Republic, and we're so excited, and we got our apartment. And so my wife said, well, let's go get the stuff, because I want to clean the apartment. Before we take anything out of a box, I want to clean this apartment. So we went to the store. We bought buckets, of wa uh, buckets to put the water in. We bought all the detergents, all the equipment you need, brooms, uh, mops, everything you needed. And so... We get to the apartment, and uh, we've got everything put into their rooms. I mean, stuff that was in the bedroom had to be in that bedroom because that's where it was going to be unloaded. So everything, every room had its stuff. And so my wife's all excited. She said, go fill me up some buckets of water. So I went over. I put the bucket in the sink. I turned on the driving, the uh, faucet. Nothing came out. I turned on the other side. Nothing came out. I got up under the sink, see if the water was cut on. It was all on. So I walked back into the bedroom, and I said, <clears throat> uh, there's no water. 
She said, yeah, there was water because there was water before we left to go to the supermarket. I said, there's no water. So we're waiting and waiting. I cut on the light switch. There was no lights. I said, oh, maybe, maybe there's no electricity. That's why there's no water. So we're waiting. All of a sudden, the light came on. I said, oh, I bet you there's water now. So I went over there to the kitchen again. I cut on, and the water started coming out. But it only lasted for 10 seconds. And the power went out again. No water. So my wife, she's looking at me like, fix it. And I'm thinking, how am I going to fix this? I can't fix this. <laughs> you know, she's looking at me like, can you fix this? So I said, look, let's just go do something else right now. And what I had done is I went through the whole house and I turned on every one of the faucets so that when the water came back on, I would know the water's on and I would go get the buckets and fill them up real fast. So, so I, I'm in the room, you know, and I'm lining and the water came on and I ran to the faucet and it was starting to get into the bucket and we had about this much water and the water went out again. And my wife said, you need to go find somebody and talk to somebody. There's something wrong here. So I went and I t- they said, oh, the power goes out all the time. It's, this, this, this is constant. I said, you mean, you mean it goes off and then we just have no way to have power? That's right. I said, oh. So I went back and told my wife that, but that's not what she was wanting to hear. And so I said, listen, we just need to start unloading this stuff. And we will worry about the water. When the water comes, it comes. So I'm in a room and I'm unloading and my wife comes in there. And she's in there, and she's just looking around, and she goes, Men, has your wife ever done that to you? You know, that's a sure sign that you need to move to another room. You know what I'm saying? So I went to another room, and I started unloading a box in there. And next thing I know, she's in that room away again. And she's, she's doing the, again. I said, Lord, please cut on this water. Uh, has your wife ever given you the evil eye? You know, you know that eye I'm talking about that, that once she gives it to you, you know the best thing to do is just sit down and be quiet. Ever happened to you? My wife gave me the evil eye. Like, where have you brought me? Boy, I tell you, we prayed that water came on. I filled up the tubs. I filled up every bucket, every big pan I could find. We had enough water to clean 10 houses by the time I filled everything up. I mean, we were ready. And boy, my wife was all happy. And she got the house all clean because she likes clean the house clean. So she got the house clean. We got everything set up and uh, unloaded those boxes and everything. And it was time to eat. And I, I went down to a place called Pollo Victorina and I got us some chicken. And uh, I got back and it was dark and we were sitting there. We didn't, we didn't have any living room furniture really set up or kitchen furniture set up yet. And uh, we were sitting there and uh, we had put two trunks together. And uh, we're sitting there getting ready to eat our chicken. And all of a sudden, while we were praying for the food, the lights went out. And it was pitch dark. And all of a sudden, my two sons started bawling. They weren't used to that. And here we're sitting in here in this apartment. It's pitch dark. I had been smart enough to get some candles and some matches and things. And I had those matches and I jumped up and I lit two candles and I set it on top of those trunks. And I looked at my wife. My wife was crying too. And uh, I said, isn't this great, y'all? 
our first night in our apartment in Dominican Republic, we're already having candlelight dinners. And they all started laughing. <laughs> you know, that was, our, that was our dark day of the Dominican Republic. You know, sometimes uh, things are not going to go well. I remember when Hurricane George hit the Dominican Republic. God was preparing us for something much greater that first night in the Dominican Republic because for six weeks we didn't have any power or water. And we had to get five-gallon jugs of water and we slept on the floors, on the tile floors, every night. Because when Hurricane George came through, it ripped out the power system in the Dominican Republic. And for six weeks we didn't have any power. And for six weeks we didn't have any water. God had built the muscles the first few days of being there that would get us through six weeks of not having anything. Now, I want to tell you, if I'd had a couple of thousand dollars in the bank and somebody had offered me to fix the power problem and water problem during those six weeks, I would have paid it. If I'd had $20,000, I would have paid it. But we made it. Sometimes the things that you think you can't live without God shows you you can. God shows you you can do it. And so the attitude, Paul said, I have learned that whatsoever state I am, I can make it. I can get through it. And so that was the attitude of the missionary. Then there's the purpose of the gift that they brought to him. We find that in verse 17. He says, fruit that may abound to your account in verse 17. It says, not because I desire a gift, but I desire fruit that you may, that, uh, that, that may abound to your account. Paul said, the gift and the things that you're helping me with, there's a purpose in that. And that gift is so that I can win souls and I can start churches and I can do things and that God will bless you and you will get fruit to your account. And it was a gift. You see, a tithe is something God requires, but an offering is a gift. And so Paul said that gift you gave that was uh, a sacrifice to the ministry that I'm doing. He said that gift, God blesses you and gives you fruit to your account in heaven. And so their giving to him uh, made fruit abound to their account. And then the second thing I want to see is a relationship between God and the church. Look at uh, verse 18. Uh, Paul said that he had received a gift. And the gift that had been brought to him, he said, I'm full and I abound. But now, how does God feel about our gift in helping missions to go forward? How does he feel about that? And we find that in verse 18. The last three uh, things there in the bottom part, it says, The things which were sent from you. So they had sent these things, an offering. He said, and here's how God accepted an odor of a sweet smell, a sacrifice acceptable, well-pleasing to God. So the offerings that they took to do their help in getting Paul to be able to plant these churches and getting Paul to be able to uh, stabilize the churches and get a place for the church to meet, all those gifts that they sent was a, an offering because it says there it was a sweet odor. It was a sweet odor. It was a sacrifice. You see, our tithes are not sacrifices. Tithes are something we have to do. But the offering that God asked for is something that's different. It's a sacrifice. So it's a sacrifice acceptable to God. And then he says, well-pleasing to God. And so 
when we uh, give to get those things done outside the church for missions, uh, three things happen. It's an odor of a sweet smell. It's a sacrifice that's acceptable, and it's well-pleasing to God. And Paul said, you have sent a sweet fragrance up to heaven and a, a sacrifice that God accepts, and it's pleasing to him. And Paul said, uh, God's going to also uh, counteract that with something in verse 19. He says, but my God, Paul referring to uh, the Lord as he speaks to them about what, what his God is going to do for them. It says, but my God shall supply all your needs according to his riches and glory by Jesus Christ. Paul said, don't worry, because an offering usually means sacrifice. So he said, if you've made a sacrifice, if you've given up something that you needed, don't worry. Because God has received that sacrifice you made as a sweet odor. It's been uh, a sacrifice that he has accepted. It's something that is pleasing him. And Paul said, don't worry because God is going to supply all your needs according to his riches by Jesus Christ. Um, I learned a long time ago that uh, living in God's riches when you're doing his work is a great is a great way to live.